Radio Influence. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with the pasta tossing Michael Pelka and Pete's not pizza tossing pasta 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 tivoli tossing. Yeah, we're throwing crap at the wall and see if it's ah yes. If you are, if you are, isn't that where that comes from? That expression comes from because you throw the pasta at the wall and if it sticks, it's done. Well, that would be al dente, I believe. Yeah, I don't know, Al. You know, we didn't have too many Italians in my neighborhood. Al, some people in the Midwest say Italian. They say Italian. Al is one of the best Italians there are. Come on. I, I'm all for Al Dente. I'm, I'm for Al Fresco. Al da- I love all the Al's. Let's so, just put it that way. If you're not smart enough to be at the UncoverDC.com slash locals um, or UncoverDC-locals.com page, you won't know what we're talking about. There are days I don't know what we're talking about. Don't tell, you're not supposed to say that out loud. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. The voices in my head said that. For real. <sighs> for reals. Why did we put an S on the end of for real? I don't know. I didn't. You did. Oh, but, but the kids, the kids do. The you kids know. don't even speak in full words anymore, let alone. <laughs> what I have. Viviana is walking around yesterday. Okay, dad, to be TBH. And I'm like, can you just say to be honest? Is it that hard? Like, come on. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So um, we have a lot of things not planned for today's yes, show. Yes. And we're going to start with the first unplanned topic, Mike. Okay. Yesterday was primary day in what? Nevada, Texas. And then a couple other flyover states. South Carolina. South Kakalaki, where hang 10 used to mean something very different back in the oh 60s. No. Is that wrong? Can we not say that? I don't know, but I already got a strike on YouTube for our vaccine conversation. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Well, um, that joke I borrowed from Orlando Jones, who's from South Carolina, and he called it South Kakalaki. He's now an actor, comic in Hollywood, and he often opined, "When I moved out here, I learned that hang ten meant something very different than it means in California." Well, he, he's a black man, you see. I do. I see that now. I do. I live here too, Mike. Well, I know you're you're a South Kakalakian. I live in Tom Rice's district. Oh, and how's that working out? How? Well, give me a summary of last night's primary results, because I know that Donald Trump had endorsed a bunch of people and some of them won. Some of them didn't. I think he's like one hundred and twenty nine and 13 or something in his endorsements overall. So Nancy Mace was yep. the incumbent down in the Charleston area, which is, is heavily Democrat, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, up here in the northern part of the state in District 7 is Tom Rice, who was obviously voted to impeach him after January 6th. And other than that, was always really, really great, honestly. But that... Rice voted to impeach him. Uh, Nancy Mace did not, but she was critical of... Donald Trump and uh, like his tweeting, she was not happy about all the tweeting. So look, Nancy Mace, if you look at her voting record, is a staunch conservative. All right. Staunch. Okay, but she goes on CNN and she says things that would make our heads explode with anger. Like, how could this woman like she wore a mask on the 
steps of the thing with all the other freshman Democrats. Like she's done things that you're like, what in the hell are you doing? This is not okay. But when you think about it and you contrast it with her voting record, you're like, okay, maybe she's just playing to her base, which is Democrat in her district. You know what I mean? So, so given all of that, I've seen her on some committees where I've been like, wow, that's pretty impressive. But I, I, you know, I don't like the pandering. I don't like it. So I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Nancy Mace. However, Trump, Trump decided to endorse somebody who was challenging her in the primary named Katie Arrington, who also had run a few years earlier against a guy named Joe Cunningham, who was a Democrat. She got into an absolutely horrific car accident. I don't know if you remember. I don't. Oh, Katie Arrington almost died in a car accident in the midst of her campaigning. Um, and she lost to Joe Cunningham. She lost to him. And so she came back again this cycle to run against Nancy Mace in the primary. And Trump endorsed Katie Arrington. And Katie Arrington lost. So Nancy Mace remains. So now well, that's a good thing. Um, I also understand that Donald Trump on his birthday yesterday, Flag Day, sent a, a response and kind of a, a congratulations to Nancy Mace. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he said, you know, I'm 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 going to hopefully see you win your election. So uh, while she didn't get his endorsement after the fact, Donald Trump did what many would consider to be the right thing for the party and say, go forward. Well, we can't lose the first in the South to Democrats. No. Um, So, yeah, there's that. And then in my district, Trump endorsed um, probably the most absolutely horrific candidate that you could ever want, who is a complete scumbag, in my opinion, who um, thinks that he is too important to talk to his constituents, who doesn't pay local, very much involved, like people that are very involved in local issues and local politics, any mind whatsoever, and ignored us all because he got an endorsement that he used to carry him over the finish line. But Hmm. he is not a conservative. He is one of the more more like right left leaning voters in the state. He was a state rep here in South Carolina who vote votes with the left or doesn't vote at all more times than he actually votes on a conservative like bench. So why would Donald Trump endorse him? Because the chair of our party here in South Carolina, who is a corrupt jerk. <laughs> yeah, you really got to stop suppressing your feelings i'm sorry i don't care anymore so i'm putting it all out there told him with governor mcmaster who's our governor that he should endorse this guy to run and and outside of the pleadings of so many people i mean so many people he did endorse him and the the problem is this this is he had no substance in his campaign at all he literally ran by saying trump endorsed me that's all he did and because we're a very heavily red district here like People he put on his signs above his little like lawn signs. He put Trump endorsed and put his lawn signs out like he had no substance in his campaign at all. Just Trump endorsed me. So vote for me. That was it. And he won. So is he likely to win in the general? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yeah, there is really no Democrat that can win in the general here. I guess that's a good thing. The the question we have, though, is can Nancy Mace win? Because I think she's in one of those districts they're going to pour a lot of money into. Yeah, they they will pour a lot of money. And the guy that had she beat, she beat Joe Cunningham. Joe Cunningham is running for governor 
Hmm. So it is definitely like people don't want to believe, but but South Carolina is one of the more left lead. It's the most left leaning conservative state in the whole country. Yeah. Well, uh, didn't you give us Clyburn? Yes. Uh, that guy is just uh, such a problem, such a weasel, James Clyburn, because he gave us uh, Biden. He's the one who made the deal to get Biden across the finish line in the primaries for the Democrats. That South Carolina was the turning point. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And and South, you know, they're after us here, like hardcore. They're after South Carolina. Um, and, you know, the, the GOP does nothing to get out of its own way. So I am on the executive committee. So my job, Mike, is to represent the entire county here of Horry County at the state level for the GOP. That's what I do. So the fact that they have like literally gone around us to get what they want done, like our whole executive committee and Greenville, which is the other li- biggest County in South Carolina, they've completely they've they've set up private clubs and they're running GOP business through these private clubs instead of through the actual GOP because they don't like us. Well, that's kind of shady. It's it's illegal by charter, by by the bylaws. And he he announced that he was doing it and nobody held him accountable because we have a bunch of freaking morons in this state who don't understand the forest for the trees like they think, oh, these people are crazy. And I'm like, you're breaking you're 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 it's terrible. It's terrible. It's like what uh, Robbie Starbuck ran into. Yes. Yes. It's been it's been really, really horrible doing this. I, I it has been an absolutely horrible experience. I'm in the middle of a defamation lawsuit that was used as a political cudgel against us. Like the lawyer wrote a letter saying, if these people step down, we'll drop this lawsuit. And if they don't, then we're going to sue everybody. It was literally blackmail. And <laughs> here I am. Wow. It's been something when I'm done here. I'm going to I'm going to just you wait. Just you wait. Well, what I'm not saying is more. That's okay. You can you can hold back. But I have a question. Yes. Looking forward to 2024. Is it possible you could be a delegate on the floor at the convention? Um, If I run again to be state EC. But I doubt it because they won't let me do that. Damn, because I want to say I know somebody who's a delegate. They won't let me, of all people, actually go and do something like that within the party. You know how many hit pieces they've written on me already in in this state alone? Oh, if I could only show you. Yeah, but you got to stand up, stand up, get up, stand up. I am. Oh, you're right. I could have resigned back in the day and saved myself, you know, 50 grand. Apologies to our reggae fans. I'm sorry. Uh, You know. Anyway, so there's that. All right. So South Carolina, uh, good and bad. And didn't uh, Nikki Haley endorse um, Nancy Mace? I believe she did. Yes. So does that show us or portend anything for the Trump and Haley relationship going forward? I, I, I don't know that there's really very much of a relationship there anyway. Well, a bad relationship could be a relationship, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know. I, when I first got here, I, I thought that Nikki Haley was a good, great governor and I was happy. And then I started realizing like, mm, and McMaster took over for her and he's been. Eh. Ah, good. Yeah, this is uh, this is Tracy Beans holds her fire mm-hmm. day. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I do have other things, though. We had some uh, an upset win in in Texas, Mike. A huge win, even though oh. it's a um, a a short term 
for the House. This is a big seat one for the GOP in in uh, South Texas with a, a Mexican-American woman, woman, Mexican-American, handily winning a race to uh, fill a seat that will only have to be decided again in November. But it's a big stinking deal. She she won resoundingly and she campaigns like on God. She campaigned on God. And I believe she stood with her kids behind her and said, this is the reason I'm running. And she is a uh, very attractive, very telegenic, very charismatic woman. And I think this does not bode well for the Democrats as it relates to uh, uh, their their hopes and dreams. No, because purple wasn't this Biden plus 12, supposedly in 2020. Biden plus 13. First time a Republican has won this seat in 150 years. Yeah, that that's that's pretty telling. And she won by like 20 points, right? Yeah, it was a big stinking win. And she's going to have to run again in the fall. And they will pour money into this seat unless they realize that this is unwinnable because the Hispanic vote has run away from Joe Biden like you cannot believe. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't like illegal immigration either, believe it or not. No, they don't. And, you know, it was about 10 years ago I read a Harvard study about uh, the Hispanic demographic in America. And Harvard was pointing out the second generations of Hispanics in America were more conservative than the center of the GOP. Yep. They're it, very. Yeah. It's really fascinating. It's family values. Yep. It's faith and it's conservatism and that pesky constitution. I know they, they seem to appreciate it more um, than, than, you know, the, the left Americans do. Um, and these are Hispanic Americans. They're not, you know, necessarily all immigrants, obviously. Um, but a lot of them, have family who were, and it's, it's very, it's almost like the Italian culture in many ways. And I can say that with, with confidence because I'm a part of a Hispanic family now um, for the past 20 years almost. And so it's, it's very much like that. They're, they're so focused on family and togetherness and culture and, you know, and they love America. So. Yeah. Why not, why not work to protect it and save it? That's a good thing. So that was the, those were the two big stories. I don't know uh, about any of the other primaries last night, if anything really was groundbreaking or earth shaking. I, I didn't see anything else uh, noted about it. No, um, I have a story, though, I want to talk about, Mike. Um, we always we always yell and scream about how the left is always sticking together and they never argue with each other and we never see them fighting and all that noise. Yeah, yeah. The, this, I kind of feel like this is going in a good direction. It is. The Intercept came out with an article about the opposite. It's basically saying how um, it's the title of the article is, if I could pull it up, and I had it all ready to go here. It's called Meltdowns. It's called Elephant in the Zoom. And the sub meltdowns have basically pa paralyzed the progressive movement. And I snipped out a couple of little paragraphs to, to read, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. Um, here's one of them. Um, the Institute, it's one of these institutes they're talking about. Um, it's called Repro Jobs. It's a reproductive health, you know, not for profit. They've spent the course of the Biden administration paralyzed um, 
And that fact makes it typical, if not just the abortion rights community. Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Pro-Choice America and other reproductive health organizations had similarly been locked in knockdown, drag out fights between competing factions of their organizations, most often breaking down along staff versus management lines. It's also true of the progressive advocacy space across the board, which is more or less effectively ceased to function. The Sierra Club demos, the American Civil Liberties Union, Color of Change, the Movement for Black Lives, Human Rights Campaign, Time's Up. All of them have been wrenching, seen wrenching and debilitating turmoil. And then it says um, it's hard to find a Washington based progressive organization that hasn't been in tumult or isn't currently in tumult. It's even reached the National Audubon Society. Following a botched diversity meeting, a highly critical employee survey and the resignations of two top diversity and inclusion officials, the 600,000 member National Audubon Society is confronting allegations that it maintains a culture of retaliation, fear and antagonism toward women and people of color. Wow. So here's the last one. To be honest with you, this is a quote. This is the biggest problem on the left over the last six years. This is so big and it's like abuse in the family. It's the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. And you have to be super sensitive about who the messengers are. So all of these disparate far left groups are arguing with each other. They're arguing within themselves. And the reason is because they have too many victim classes and not enough people to prop up each class. I.e., Everybody's in a victim class. So all anybody ever does is accuse everybody else of being racist or misogynist or able, you know, uh, ableist or, you know, anything like like if white people promote a black person to a point of of authority, it's only because they're doing it because they want to make it look like they're not racist, but they actually are racist. This is what is eating them alive. And we talk about all the time how we don't hear about this, Mike, but it's freaking happening. And it's fun to watch. And, you know, who didn't see this coming? Because when you allow everyone to create their own gender, you know, eventually there is no gender or there is no specialness about you because they all wanted to be special. Right. Each one of these victim classes wanted to be special. But, you know, you're you're a party of one. These are a bunch of people dining alone. Yeah. And, you know, one has to be more underprivileged than the next. You can't just have, you know, it's you can't have it start one place. Everybody has to add something on. Like Frank and I had a running joke that, you know, at one of these rallies a year or two ago, there was a black trans disabled um, activist that was on stage. And then like Frank would say, well, who's going to one up that? Well, I hate to go back to lemmings. The National Lampoon Lemmings, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was a mockery of uh, the Woodstock Festival, Peace, Love, and whatever. Uh, But the Lemmings actually kind of previewed this with their stage announcements. And this is back almost 50 years ago. This is a live National Lampoon show parodying Woodstock. And uh, sure sounded like Democrats to me. Black homosexual working class woman, you're an oppressor, pig. You deserve to die. You're not worthy of the cow that died to make your stinking belt, your lame dog jackal. So unless you're a black homosexual working class woman, you're an oppressor, pig. Yeah. You deserve to die. This is what they've descended into. Art predicted this four plus decades ago. That's fantastic. It's actually, it's legit what we're living through right now. 
It's so funny. It is so funny. God bless them all. I, I hope they eventually come to grips with what they did to themselves. And the thing that gets me is like, there is so much money flowing into these organizations to do like something like the article starts talking about how they started calling meetings, zoom meetings to talk about how they were going to deal with the George Floyd situation. But instead of talking about how they were going to help the community deal with the George Floyd situation, they were talking about how are we going to make ourselves look more inclusive in the face of the George Floyd happenings. Hmm. And people started getting mad about that. Like, that's not what you should be doing. Well, the entire, and this all goes back to all roads in this topic lead back to Black Lives Matter and what a giant scam it turned out to be and how it, it should be erased. And that decision by the court to tell Home Depot, yes, you can tell employees no Black Lives Matter logos while you're working. And we need to take the Black Lives Matter uh, plaza out of Washington, D.C. And we need to have investigations into the people who took the money. And every corporation that pledged money to that scam needs to come forward and apologize to its customers. And if they are public shareholders, because it was a gigantic scam. And it was just all, as you've shown here with this other story, a money making idea. Yeah. And by and the, it, it was, and they used the money to line their own pockets. And I said that this was going to be the time that, that these, I said this like a two years ago during the George Floyd thing, I said, watch what happens when all of these local chapters of black lives matter that really feel the way that, that the, you know, they really feel like they're um, under, you know, marginalized and they really, yeah. they really believe this. This is a, and they want thing. They want to do things for, you know, race relation. They really honestly believe it. Start to realize that the whole thing is a big freaking farce. And even the people that are supposed to be for you don't help you. They're going to wake the hell up then. And we're seeing that happen. We saw that happen during COVID Mike, because a lot of black lives matter chapters uh, protested alongside um, individual liberty groups outside of um, institutions to preserve bodily autonomy. Hmm. I, I, I just want the curtain to be pulled back on all of this, on yeah. all of these groups. On, and now when you said money is flowing in, I tend to believe that a lot of the money is drying up from Hollywood, especially as it relates to Black Lives Matter. I tend to believe that a lot of the money is going to pour into um, the abortion people. They're going to be getting money. And Soros is looking to bolster any place he can because he's getting beaten on these district attorneys that are being recalled or thrown out. Yeah, they didn't have enough enough time to do what they wanted to do. I don't think um, they, they were pretty successful, but they needed some more years to really like you could just go to a Walgreens in one of these cities and see what the hell is going on to see the effect that a, that a Soros um, a Soros DA has on the community. Yeah, when you're allowed to gather as much as $800 before any any violation will be called on you in shoplifting and leave, that's a problem, and it leads to all kinds of bigger problems with communities now having a uh, pharmacy desert. Yeah, they, they can't get, you know, or, or prices are going up to the point where they can't even afford them because the, the stores are suffering from such loss that they can't maintain their business anymore. Well, people, people literally walk in with shopping carts, take what they want and walk out and don't pay. 
Why would you? I wouldn't do that. But the employees are told not to stop them because uh, they won't be arrested. And the employees, if they harm them, will be sued for assault. So it's total madness. Now, can I ask you a pharmacy issue related question? Sure. Have you seen or experienced the tampon shortage or tampon or feminine hygiene product shortage in your area? Well, I do not shop for those things. Okay. It's all right. Nobody's mad at that. But I'm just saying, uh, like if I go at the grocery store in my neighborhood, the Acme grocery store. Yes, we have the Roadrunner running the grocery stores here. Uh, If I go to the Acme, after you go to the checkout, there's a huge cabinet, a wall of a locked cabinet where they keep the baby formula. Well, what's left of the baby formula. And you have to get somebody to unlock it. And they've also got some of the... um, some of the expensive detergents in there and some of the expensive toothpaste. And now I'm guessing they're going to put the tampons in there because we have a tampon shortage, which um, uh, tampons are up almost 10% from a year ago. Pads are up eight plus percent, but I've solved the whole problem. Tracy, I have solved this entire problem. You're laughing at me. Uh, How dare you? No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just recalling the end of Monday's show and saying he's thought about this for two days. I have. I I have thought about this for two days, but I solved the problem yesterday and I couldn't wait for us to come back. What is it? We go to every state and trust me, there are myriad states that have now forced grammar schools, junior highs, high schools, colleges, government offices businesses, stadiums, restaurants to put tampons in the men's bathrooms. And we say no more. Oh, that's a good solution. Sure. It's a common sense solution because we absolutely doubled the amount of tampons needed in public spaces for a tiny fractional microscopic percentage because, well, there are women who identify as men who will use the men's bathroom that have to have Uh, they have to have this kind of product available. No. Let me fill you in on something that you would never know. Those dispensers in the women's restrooms never have tampons or pads in them. They are always empty. They never have them in there, ever. Really? Oh, yeah. They're empty every time. I've only only been in those spaces a couple of times and uh, once accidentally and once it's a story for another day when we're drinking. But um, that surprises me. But in schools, you know, they wouldn't let them get away with that. No, they're empty there, too. They never are full. Never. Well, the state of Oregon, which I hope I said that right, because I don't want any of you Oregonians coming at me and mocking me. The state of Oregon had a law that they put in to mandate. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what kind of equity this is to have these pads and tampons necessarily in, in every situation. But if we stop stocking them, because there are still considerable states that mandate this, I'm, I'm just saying we might have a stockpile available. That would be, that would be great. Um, you know, it's crazy because my husband generally does the shopping in the house. That's why I say I don't shop for those things because he's buying for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, I, we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm sure we will cross that threshold very soon. Well, uh, as, a, as a guy who's married 30 years and has had that experience in the past where you have to go to the checkout and you've got, you hope you got the right product 
and you know that the one that you've gotten suddenly doesn't have a price mark on it, and you're there at the registers. Can I get a price check on Tampax 24 extra absorbent, please? Register six. You know, the problem, too, is that there are way too many of these things available. <clears throat> like I went looking one time just to see, like, what might fit her her situation best to give my husband a heads up on what to buy. And I was like there. I don't even know anymore. Like with all of these different options, like it's it's like insane nighttime, heavy, extra heavy, super heavy, light, you know, organic, which you should always use, by the way. Um, it's terrible. Too many. I'm just, I'm just very, very surprised we spent this much time. It's important. There are a lot of women listening to this show who understand and a lot of men too. <laughs> well, maybe as Joe Biden told us, we overstand. <laughs> that, that might be the case. Mike, you know what I've started doing? Um, Cause obviously I was listening to, the, you know, I do my nighttime like wind down and I listen to stuff and try and learn and whatever. I um speaking of Oregon, you kind of flagged me to this. I found this channel on YouTube um, that is called, um, hold on, I'm going to find it. This is what I found the other day. It's called, uh, where is it? It's gone. Explore with us is the name of it. Okay. And what they do is very professionally um, break down confession um, videos that are the police get. Yeah. And interrogations. And they break them down and they go through like context of how and body language and how like the investigation techniques and the way the questions are asked and all kinds of stuff about the story. And the one that I watched the other day, I, I was so tired, but it was it was three and a half hours long, this one. And it was about this girl, this young teenage girl, 15 in Oregon, who plotted with these two boys, one of them who was her boyfriend and the other one who was really just he had bipolar and a couple other things to kill her father and then dump the body off the side of the road. And the two guys, the one guy who actually did it was, was in there like spilling his guts out to the cops. And the girl was basically pretending she had no idea what was going on and blaming the other two after it was found out. And the other two were trying to protect her the entire time. And she was a psychopath. Like it was crazy. I don't know what that has to do with anything other than Oregon, but. Well, there's a lot of crazy coming out of Oregon. And I, I have friends who live in Oregon and it's also a place where beautiful roses come from. The city of Portland is the the rose city. And I happen to be a fan of the gardening. So mm -hmm. it kills me that they destroyed that city. Remember the summer of love and the chop? And Oh, I sure do. It's just insanity that they allowed it to happen. They did it to themselves, which is what we talked about to start the show today. Did you see what they, speaking of they, have coming out about um, Lauren Bulbert? No, I do not. And, you know, oddly enough, I think I was the first national media outlet to uh, interview Lauren Boebert when well, I was at the blaze a bazillion years ago. The same pack that went after Madison Cawthorn, Cawthorn mm -hmm. has now come for Lauren Boebert. And there's a website that is releasing all of this supposed information that says that she was a an illegal escort in her early twenties and that she had um, received two abortions. And this is what they're using to attack Lauren Bulbert. While they say at the same time, we don't make any judgment about the fact that she was a sex worker or she received abortions, but it's the allegations are basically going, they're going off of text messages with a source and they published the text messages, obviously protecting the sources information. But I didn't know that, 
Ted Cruz was largely behind Lauren Boebert winning or getting into politics. Did you? I did not. Um, I met Lauren when she was a young restaurant owner in Rifle, Colorado, and they encouraged people to open carry in the restaurant. And yeah. she became kind of a national figure. And then I did an interview for her for The Blaze and a couple of interviews subsequent to that. But, you know, she certainly is capable of attracting attention. But here's the argument again, and you kind of brought it up that uh, this party, these these super liberals would typically honor this work that they call sex work. They would typically be happy to say, well, look how far she's come. She she paid her bills by working as an escort and uh, she used her her choice to um, make a reproductive decisions, which does, is what they would call it. And now they're mad at her. Does anyone. OK. If it's true, if, if this is true, and how are they allowed, how is Twitter or wherever this is appearing, allowing this to appear? Well, that's a great question in and of itself, right? But let's put all of that aside. Like, do you think there are many women out there who have gotten abortions and come to regret their decision, especially if they did it when they were very, very young, right? Yeah. And changed their positions. There are many women out there, I'm sure, who have done things in their early, late teens and early 20s that are like, oh gosh, what a horrible decision that was, who have gone on to change their perspective on things. I, I don't know if anybody's going to really care. She's a good rep. Yeah, she's doing her job. And part of her job is to make all of them lose their minds. And she's doing a great job at that. But th this is amazing to see the character assassination that's going on. And I always say, when you point a finger at someone, you know, there's three point right back at you. So I wonder about the people who are making these accusations and how are they allowed to do this from the sidelines in the shadows? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a pack. Firebobert.com is the website. And I saw this come across. Um, I went to the new to you, um, the new to you section of YouTube. And it was the young Turks were on there for some reason talking about it last night. And it just broke in. That load. Yeah. Cenk Ugear, who's not young. He no. might be a Turk in some way, but he's certainly not young. What a load. I worked at Air America for about a year and the young Turks were always running in and out of there. And, and the, you know, we had Maddow and, and the other cat from Saturday Night Live, Al Franken and Tom Hartman, all of them. And, and, uh, Randy Rhodes, they were all uh, hailed as as heroes and they were hemorrhaging money because liberal radio is a gigantic failure and never has been a success at all. But but uh, the Young Turks, it just oh, it makes me angry. I know. Hear that. Ah. What is the I'm going to show my ignorance right now because I'm having a, a, a brain fart the size of who knows what. What is the name of the abortion case in front of the court right now? I have no idea. I, I think it's Mississippi something, but it's coming up what? and uh, I, I still don't think it's happened yet. I'm so. looking, I'm refreshing the screen and they're releasing fast and furious now. So it's not Ro it, uh, What is the name of it? It's not Roe v. Wade. I think it's um, it's the um, Mississippi case. Do you want to pause for a second here? Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's um, Mississippi. State of Health Officer of the Mississippi Department of Health versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization. That's what it appears to me to be. And what they're doing is is trying to create a 15 week limit on abortions, right? No, isn't this the decision that is going to remand it back to the states? 
Yeah, but th this initial suit was about giving the state the right to create this, and this state would be carrying a 15-week understood. Yes, limitation, which would then be obviously law could be law of the land, or kick it back to the states to do just that. And 15 weeks is kind of uh, uh, more liberal than most of Europe, mm -hmm. which is 12 and 14 weeks. 15 weeks is far too. It's almost yeah, that's far yeah. too. Oh, speaking of which, I've got a great clip, Mike. I've got a great clip. I love great clips. I'm yeah. dying for a great clip. Yep, I'm going to play it for you. This was a TikTok. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is a message for liberal white women. Look, nobody's coming for your abortions, okay? What we really want is common sense abortion control. That means mandatory background checks with mental health assessments, along with entering a national registry for abortions and paying a $200 tax stamp that could take up to one year on a wait list to receive. We would seek to outlaw assault abortions occurring after the first trimester, along with high capacity abortions, including twins and triplets. And ultimately, we would like to limit the number of abortions any person can have because nobody needs more than one abortion. <laughs> That's really good. Where's it's, that from? That's, it's a TikTok, but it was genius. Uh, I'm I'm almost forgiving TikTok, but no, I'm still not on TikTok. But that's good. That's good. It, it, genius, just genius. Speaking of TikTok, and obviously that leads us to libs of TikTok. The Twitter conversation, uh, or the conversation that was posted on Twitter between a couple of Twitter employees discussing how they could get rid of libs of TikTok was a little chilling. Yeah, but did you see they even attacked the, the, the tweet? That's what they call themselves. Who, I guess, said something offensive um, against, like, what someone perceived as offensive against a class and made them apologize in the middle of the, the, the messages. This goes back to the opening story. Amen. It Lips does. Eating themselves. Good, good, good. Feast upon each other. Did, <laughs> this is how mad cow disease started. You know, uh, cows eating their own, being fed their own kind. So maybe they'll all get like mad lip disease. We didn't even plan this at all. And it just no. happened. It's just happening naturally, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, TikTok, uh, Twitter was out there that the employees were talking about how they need to ban libs of TikTok because she's going to get a trans person killed when in actuality, all she's doing is showing what these people are doing. That is absolutely it's abhorrent. I mean, uh, these people keep on getting popped for child porn, too. Did you notice that? I, I didn't. Um, I noticed that a bunch of the uh, drag queen story hour people have been caught for um Similar violations, child porn, et cetera, on their computers. But uh, just another another arrow in our quivers. Uh, did you see Christina Aguilera? Yes. Uh, who doesn't have a glitter dildo to strap on when they walk on stage at a concert? It, it wasn't even just that she had strapped it on herself. It was what she was doing with it. That was the, the biggest concern for many people, even though it and of it of it in and of itself was disgusting. Yeah, it's really disgusting. I didn't see, I just saw the picture. I didn't see the action. Uh, she takes it, it in yeah. her hand and does an action that men would do if they were alone and trying to spend some private time with one and with each, with themselves. So she tried to let the genie out of the bottle. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, your next act is from Philly. <gasps> I'll be here all week. <laughs> 
Try the veal. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> yeah, I, I was um, I was surprised by it, but not surprised by it. I mean, come on, it's a pride event, and you know, if if uh, if half of the stuff that we've seen from the pride events was on Main Street in the middle of the day, people would go. Get the fire hose right now. It is on Main Street in the middle of the day. That's the problem. <laughs> These pride parades, they're, they're just an excuse for people to walk around naked and show their private parts to children. That's it's always the wrong people walking around naked. It's, it's like if you've ever been to a nude beach, you stumble onto a nude beach. It's never the hot ones. No, no, it never is. It's always the people with a little something extra. Cause you know, I might, if I walked on a naked beach and my God, there's the entire last 30 years of sports illustrated swimsuit models. I might go, all right, just put some sunscreen on that. I'm going to be over here. Not in my own business. Not anymore. Mike, did you see the whole Jordan Peterson kerfuffle from like two weeks ago? I did not. What happened? Jordan Peterson, like made a comment about the swimsuit models centerfold who is overweight, um, very beautiful woman, in my opinion, um, but overweight and not healthy, very, quote, healthy looking as, you know, they set up the swimsuit edition to be like a, a person who nobody else is like, like a the best in species sort of a thing. Right. 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 Well, it's Sports Illustrated, they feature superstar athletes, you know, whether it's uh, Derek Jeter or whether it's affirmed a beautiful racehorse, the best of their kind, the best tennis player. So if you're going to do swimsuits, why make it normal? Yeah. So it was it was not even necessary. Well, I guess she was she would be considered normal um, by today's standards. But Jordan Peterson said, no, not beautiful. Like his opinion was that that was not beautiful. How dare he How dare he have an opinion? Yeah, that that was not taken very well because you must think that somebody else is beautiful. And if you say otherwise, then you are a bigot. Well, yeah, you're uh, you're fat shaming. Yes. And yeah, that's not allowed. It's in with all the other shamings like slut shaming, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, it's it's an opinion, people. I'm not dumb. Something else we all have. We all we all have them, don't we? And some of us treat them more differently during Pride Month than others. (laughs) I remember when we called it June. It was June. It was it was June when I was a kid. Now it's just called Pride. Can I? T- February, March, April, May, Pride, July. No. Listen, they they voted on the county council here to revoke the designation in my county of June as Pride Month. And of course, all of the um, LGBTQIA, PYCT, yellow, blue people decided that they were going to be up in arms about this. And one of my son's young friends texted him and said, um, can we sue them? for removing our human rights. And so this is when I got involved. And I said, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Ask your young friend what rights she doesn't have today that she had yesterday. Well, they're kids. They don't have rights. They have, they have rights. Well, that isn't, yeah, that there's some rights, but not the rights that the adults have. It doesn't matter either way. Ask, ask anybody what, what rights they had taken from them with the revo- re- revocation of pride month designation here in Horry County, South Carolina. What what has renaming June June and not Pride taken away from you as an individual? Zero. All the parades are still going to happen if they are scheduled. I don't really think that they happen much here. But um, it got into a very a larger conversation, and my my son was like, "I don't want to fight," and I'm like, "No, you need to you need to ask these questions. They're important." 
Of course, you, it was. You need to understand this. It, it, and you might even need to overstand it, as Joe Biden <laughs> likes to say. Yeah, so that happened. I basically I, I debated through my 13 year old son with his friend. <laughs> Oh, it's like a Cyrano debate. You're the conservative Cyrano. You're you're he, getting the that's so good. He that's, was my vessel. <laughs> that's excellent. Excellent. I, I approve of that. Um, when I am a emperor of whatever town I will live in, I will ban all parades, not just pride parades. I want all parades banned because they just seem to be a gigantic waste of time. And plus, nobody wants to see you traipsing through the center of town in no clothes. No, no, but the, you know, the St. Patrick's Day Parade doesn't do that. The Puerto Rican Day Parade, which is last weekend in New York City. Although there's some, depending on the weather, the Puerto Rican Day Parade usually had uh, some pretty interesting outfits in the past. I'm just saying. I like the food and the music. Yeah, that's what it should be about. But they become about a, a, a way to argue about things and create a mess and create a problem. So I'd be, I'd be all for banning all parades. I know that sounds rather... Uh, progressive like where we if we don't mandate something, we ban it. But uh, I would just say no parades. We're going to have a town where you can go and have a parade. That's what Disney should do. Disney should allow groups to hold their parades there. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. People go to Disney. They get married. And you can have your damn parade there. We have to have it in our town. And we don't have to clean up after you. Well, conservative parades are left more clean than when they started. So. Well, um, eight twenty-eight, the first uh, the first mass gathering in Washington D.C. that Glenn Beck directed that had a, a huge following. I still think it was more than a quarter million people. I was there, and uh, we left that place cleaner than when we got there. Yep, I guarantee you. Yep. And then if you went to the Earth Day event in Manhattan, there was more trash left from that than anything else. Hey, I have a question for you. Could you use two thousand dollars? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I talked to my husband about it this morning. It was completely off the table. And we're not talking about anything Lauren Boebert did in the past <laughs> life of her own. I do those things for free. <laughs> I, I oversharing. <laughs> but this is this is a wild story that I just thought was very funny. It's a North Carolina company that um, wants to uh, pay somebody two thousand dollars to let a hundred roaches loose in their home. Yeah, they want a, a, a hundred American cockroaches loose. And I'm just sitting here scratching my head because if you're from the Carolinas, you know about the palmetto bugs and you know that you don't need someone to release a hundred of them in your house if you're not on top of that. So it's weird. So they're going to go in and try some new pest removal thing to get rid of these cockroaches. Why can't they just find someone of their customers that already has the problem? Why? Yeah. Or here's a better idea. Um, hook up with CBS and Big Brother and, and let's put them in the Big Brother house. I love that show, by the way. I've, I've never been able to tolerate that one. I'm sorry, I, I can't. I lost my ability to even. But wouldn't that be a great way for them to do it? And they'd have a sponsorship thing. Maybe $2,000 is all the money they have. Maybe, but it's far too small of an amount to even entertain 100 cockroaches in your home. Like that you can never never know are gone. Like you'd never know. Why don't they just build a little shack, go to the home Depot, get you one of them shacks and put cameras in it and let them loose and then test all your damn products. I don't know. I, I just think it's, a, it, it's even stupid. Like I would never use this pest control company if I lived in Raleigh just because of this promotion. Because, yeah, because obviously, well, I guess they could make the argument. None of their customers have cockroaches because they, 
<laughs> they've removed them all. Our treatments are so good. None of our customers have cockroaches. <laughs> but if you'd like to try it, we will give you $2,000 and 100 cockroaches, and then we'll try to get them. Terrible. Well, I if you only get 98, guess what? You're going to have 100 again soon. How many things do you have left on your list or on your list of things you want to talk about today? Um, I, let me see here, because I, I pulled some audio that I wanted to share with you because, you know, audio is fun, fun with audio with Mike. Uh, we already played the Lemmings thing. I have uh, I'm, I'm still mad about the Barry Loudermilk story. Uh, do you know Barry Loudermilk and no. the, the story? No. Nope. OK, Congressman Loudermilk was the guy the Democrats initially smeared saying that he was taking people around the Capitol on January 5th. And they were speculating that he was doing reconnaissance work with the rioters the day before that he was showing them, oh, here's the door that's always open between noon and three when they go to lunch. And you can get in here and you can sneak in here. They were kind of speculating, making stories like that. Here, here's I, I got a, a little bit of Dems initially attacking Loudermilk after January 6th, kind of speculating that he was up to no good. What we're learning about Loudermilk is that he was part of a direct lie uh, to the public and perhaps to the committee. I think Loudermilk will probably take the Fifth Amendment. I mean, this guy's pants look like they're on fire. This is amount to a seditious conspiracy. Um, is this the kind of thing that might warrant the consideration of expulsion from the House of Representatives? So they were talking about seditious conspiracy. Now, Monday, the Capitol Police sent a letter to the January 6th committee saying that uh, Loudermilk was not guilty of anything. Mm. That they looked at hours and hours of videotapes. There was nothing going on. And uh, he was totally cleared. And you didn't hear that. From the, the committee yesterday. Well, because they canceled yesterday. No, they canceled today. Oh, oh, oh. So there was a hearing today. It's being rescheduled. But uh, that didn't stop CNN from saying, well, you know, sure, the Capitol Police cleared them. But did they really? Oh, God. He asked the Capitol Police to look into it. They did release a letter by from the uh, poli police chief, Tom Manger, that said that there was no evidence that Loudermilk was giving a tour of the Capitol building itself, but it didn't necessarily absolve him of any wrongdoing. <sighs> Can you believe that? <sighs> this now is so sick. They went from seditious to conspiracy to the guy wasn't doing anything wrong in less than 24 hours. And, and poor Barry Loudermilk has had to endure... All of this for over a year, he went on um, Laura Ingram's show last night to tell his story. You got a minute? Yeah. There you go. Just a, uh, three or four weeks ago, I find out about these accusations, not from a letter that the committee sent to me. No, they sent it to the press as I'm going to the airport and then I'm seeing my picture on the television screens of all these passengers that are seeing that I'm some kind of strange conspiracy uh, or, or evil conspirator here. And it's just ridiculous that the way that they're handling this committee and they keep moving the goalpost. You know, the original charge was we gave tours of the 
the Capitol. There were no tours of the Capitol that day. Video evidence is there were no tours of the Capitol. Then they say, oh, it was the Capitol complex. There were hundreds of people in the Capitol complex, the House office buildings. In fact, it was the Democrat leadership ordered the gift shop open on the 5th because there were so many visitors there. So Mickey Sherrill's accusation that there were no tours allowed well, there are no, no tours allowed at the Capitol, but there were plenty of people at the House office buildings because it was just another day. And now when it comes out, and no mistake about it, the Capitol Police were clear that they are trained in looking for suspicious activity. And the group I had in the House office buildings had did nothing suspicious. So he tells the story and he's still trying to fix his reputation after he's been cleared by the Capitol cops. And and you can't, I don't think that you can sue the committee or anyone on it for, for libel. No, I'm sure you can't because they probably gave themselves that, that coverage. This is, this is, uh, there are so many spe- like speculative theories floating around about why they canceled today. Um, and, and nobody really knows why, and I'm not going to render a guess as to why they canceled today, but this is well, just disgusting. Yesterday, you had the announcement from the chairman, Benny Thompson, that there would be no criminal referrals for Trump or anyone to which Liz Cheney went, oh, no, we're going to wait until we're done here. But Benny Thompson, the chairman, said no criminal referrals. Now, I'm one of the people who believes that if there are criminal referrals against Donald Trump or anyone close to Trump, that the discovery process that Trump will be afforded will expose worse information that they think they're going to find. So that's why this committee went, oh, don't do not do not make a criminal referral because we're going to then have to have discovery and they're going to have to give us all this stuff or we're going to have to give them all the stuff that they're asking for. Yeah. And then you saw Merrick Garland had to come out and say that the prosecutors are watching this hearings very closely as though there's any fact finding going on in these things at all. There isn't any. It's it's a one sided Soviet style show trial that that is just a sham. And all my liberal friends, I can't believe you're not watching. You don't believe it. Well, it's not real. It, and it, you need to stop. It's not real at all. You, uh, there was some Biden yelling yesterday. I don't know if you watched any of Joe Biden's speech you find at the uh, AFL-CIO. I didn't event. watch it. I never watch it because I know, A, you're going to have something interesting for me. And B, I can't stand to see his face. Uh, <laughs> Yesterday was um, uh, Donald Trump's birthday, and somebody did a brilliant mashup edit of Joe Biden singing happy birthday to Donald Trump and posted the video online. It was very funny. Um, I'll put a link to it somewhere. But um, Joe Biden got into the yelling yesterday because, you know, that's what he does best. He likes to yell. I think he was on a Prevagen and Red Bull blend yesterday. He likes to whisper too, Mike. Yeah, he did a little whispering of that, but um, he he um, he blamed Donald Trump for a lot of the problems today because Trump's living rent free in his head, as you know. Uh, here's a little bit of that. Twenty million Americans had lost their jobs in the last guy. In fact, so many Americans lost their jobs that my predecessor became just the second president in history to leave office with fewer jobs in America than when he took office. Now, interesting that. Something was neglected from Biden's mention. He didn't talk about COVID. There was no mention of the fact that the entire country was shut down and companies closed. 
thousands and thousands of companies closed, millions of jobs were lost. But he blamed it all on on uh, Donald Trump, who, that, took, who took the advice of his same health yeah. staff, public policymakers. Absolutely. But there's more. Remember those long lines of cars stretching miles back, waiting for just a box of food to be put back in their trunk? When just poor folk, it was working class folks, middle class folks, a lot of pretty nice cars in those lines. Yeah, that now can't afford to fill up their gas tank, so they're probably going to be back in line to get more food. Did you hear they're doing a, they're, they're considering doing a federal tax-free gas day? Well, they're talking about a, uh, a a federal gas tax holiday, which could be for a while, more than one day. Okay, because I was going to say that's going to cause so many problems if they make it just a day. No, they're talking about maybe doing it for a while. And that only adds to the deficit and doesn't lower the price of oil for any significant number for anybody, really, because we're going to have to pay for the money that they don't collect. It's going to add to the deficit. And by the way, Joe Biden out there telling everybody, I don't want to hear any more lies. I, he was yelling here. Here's a little bit of him yelling that. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Yeah, for the worse. Um, uh, but uh, he's saying that he's lowering the deficit. He's you know, lying. <laughs> do you know why he's lowering the deficit or why it appears he's lowering the deficit? Tell me. We're not shoveling all that COVID money out again. Oh, yeah, because that's all. Yeah. The thing that caused inflation in the first place. Yeah. But he wants more of that. He wants more of that. Uh, he he did. Um, he did tell some more lies, too, in addition to that. Jobs are back. The prices are still too high. COVID is down, but gas prices are up. Our work isn't done. No, no, it's not. But he lied there because COVID cases are eight times higher than they were one year ago. Yeah. And they're even higher than that. Like we talked about on, on Monday. Eight times higher by official stats. However, deaths, deaths are about the same, which means the, the management of COVID is beyond anyone's understanding. You know, it's not really it's it, the flu is probably deadlier at this time. So, this yeah, that, that was interesting. He was yelling and, it always screws up traffic in in my neck of the woods when Joe is here because we have Joe jams, you know. Is there any way that we could tell all of these anti-abort or pro-abortion people, pro-baby killing people that nobody is taking away their right to murder their unborn ch- child? They just have to find a state where they can do it. Well, you'd think they'd open up an abortion tourism agency. They probably where- will. I'm sure they will. But. No, it's because they want abortion on demand at the end of their driveway. You know, they're told that everything is a right. Everything is a right. And it's a right now. Unless they just don't understand. They have not learned the Constitution. There's there's no uniformity among them unless you agree with their opinion, which is that they should be allowed to inject people with the substance against their will, as long as it's for purposes that benefit them in their Pea brains. They're pea brains. That's right. I have um, one more Joe Biden clip, but it's not a new one. Okay. Because, you know, we're headed to Saudi Arabia. He's going to Saudi Arabia. Oh, yes. He's going to have a he's going to have a sit down with the um, with the king and the um, the prince. So it's um, Mohammed bin Salman and King Salman. And he's going to apparently uh, try and do the. What I meant to say was 
with uh, this statement. And I would make it very clear, we were not going to, in fact, sell more weapons to them. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. There's very little social redeeming value of the in the present uh, government in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that was smart. So uh, that's just two years ago saying there's nothing redeeming and we're not going to sell you any more arms. You can go pound sand. You got plenty of it. I, I just think this is going to be a huge failure. So we're going to spend all that money to fly Air Force One there, all that money to bring two more planes, because that's what you have to bring when the president visits. So you have to bring doctors. You have to bring a medical team. You have to bring everything. And uh, the Air Force One, I think, holds 600,000 gallons of fuel, and it burns a gallon every second or something like that. Oy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not very green, well, you should be taking one of those boats they're developing. Which boats? I missed that. I'm, I'm all for development and technology. Which boats? They're, they don't, they run on, uh, they basically run on um, electric and they're cargo ships that can only take like three containers and they take like 30 days. To, <laughs> they're going back to sailboats, basically. Oh my God. Yep. <sighs> oh my. You know a good way around all that though? Make things here. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent way around that is to make stuff here. And he was speechifying yesterday in uh, Philadelphia talking about that and saying to the union guys, if we had more of these union jobs here, we could make more stuff here. Yeah, it'll be a little more expensive. No re reason to have any uh, worries about inflation. But the problem is he's allowing China, for example, the solar panel thing. I don't know if anyone's broken it down. He dropped the tariffs on China's solar panel parts business. So we're going to have to buy the parts from China to build them here. Why aren't we pushing building them here? That's what I want to know. Because they don't want to do anything beneficial for this country. That's true. Well, if you listen to all the Hunter Biden audio Ugh. yesterday, we should get into that another time. Well, speaking of another time, I have one more thing to talk about, and then we're going to give the audience a little preview of what's to come over the next months and whatever. Um, okay. So I have been studying this case. I told I talked about in the pre-show on Monday of Joshua Adam Schulte. Yes. The guy who was allegedly responsible for the Vault 7 leaks. Mm -hmm. And I started reading the case. And I, when, when I do a story on something, I literally need to know everything. So I'm reading the actual case. And usually a case has like 300 or 400 docket entries in it at max. Yeah. Even a complicated one. This one has 890 or so. Golly, Bob, howdy. Yeah. And so I'm at 200 and something like in the high 200s. And uh, let me tell you something. I've never, never seen a case like this before. And I've read a lot of cases. That's not to say one doesn't exist, but even the people involved with the case are saying they've never seen a case like this before. The attorneys. Wow. It's insane. And I'm excited to be able to talk about it at length. I, th I think a whole hour on it is, is going to have people at the edge of their seats. Well, I hope so. Yeah. I'd like to hear it. Uh, 800. That's uh, that's only 400 times more than normal. Yeah. And, and, you know, the problem with it is, is that that's not 800 pages, Mike. That's God could be thousands of pages, depending yeah. on what each entry is. Each citation could be several pages. Yeah. So I'm reading it all. Every last word <laughs> for you. I'm doing it for you. All right. Thank you. It's important. It's a really important case. 
It is an important case. And well, I, I, there's so many that are important. It's hard to prioritize, but I would say this one is right up there in the top five. Well, right now anyway, because he's going to trial this week uh, defending himself, which is a whole another story of how he got there. I keep refreshing the Supreme Court page, but I'm not seeing the. No, I, I think we were led astray by evil Shannon Bream. <laughs> so so look, Mike, this is, I guess, um, for for now, anyway, our last full show together, unless you're going to be here Friday, which you're not. No, I'm in for Chris Plant nationally Friday. So uh, I'll be doing the Chris Plant show all across this great nation and then all next week in for Chris Plant. So on Monday, I think it was Monday, I announced that you'd be popping in with us as you absolutely could because you're always welcome to pop in on the show. And I love I have had such a rewarding couple of months with you um, doing this. It's been incredible. So I want you to, to stay and you would like to stay, too. And so many people um, were asking where they can find you and keep up with you and know what you're doing. So I've, I've been giving out all that information, your website, your socials, all kinds of stuff. Don't um, give my home address, though. There were cars circling the neighborhood last night. And I was like, what the hell? I couldn't find your home address. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, we're going to be doing the show a little earlier. So whenever... Um, Whenever you can pop in with us, you're more than welcome to pop in with us, Mike. Uh, if I can, I will be. Uh, but I have, um, thank God, and I'm very blessed and very fortunate to have a thriving fill-in business. I am America's guest host on radio all across the country. So uh, if I can be there, I will. I will uh, alert you. Uh, in either case, uh, this is some of the most fun I've had with my clothes on <laughs> that I can remember. <laughs> And I, I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity. I didn't think that I could love you more, but I do. So <laughs> you're killing me, Beans. I love you, Mike. I love you too. Now get out of here, you knucklehead. I, I love you. So you've been listening to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Michael Pelt and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 30 Eastern well, Time. Well, not me, of course. I'm tuning in. <laughs> you know. bitter. Yeah, you know. It's National Bourbon Day. I'm going to be sampling. Damn it. I'm going to do the same thing and I'll read you passages from this lawsuit. <laughs> and I am telling you, I'm not leaving. <laughs> we'll see you guys on Friday. <laughs> Most of Amoebas. Hey everyone, Jeff Kershaw from the Crush Performance Podcast here. I wanted to let you know that I'm taking a little downtime here and it's not something I planned for. When we come back later this summer, I'll fill you all in. It's a very important conversation that I want to share with each and every one of you. In the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, let us know. You know we love them all. Or if you have a question or need help with your training program, get to us. If we don't have that answer, I can guarantee we know someone who will and we'll track it down for you. Or if you have a topic you'd like us to investigate, don't hesitate to reach out. We may dedicate a segment or an entire future episode to your topic. Info at Crush Performance is the email, or you can DM me on social media, at Jeff Crush on Twitter, and search out Crush Performance on all other social media platforms. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. 
So while I take a little time away from the weekly show, I strongly suggest you dive into the Crush archives. There are 16 years of high-performance episodes for you to explore with some of the world's top sports science researchers, elite coaches, and some of the very best athletes we know and love. And while you guys are doing that, our research into the Crush War on Sugar, Nutrition, and Biochemistry will continue. The Crush Brain Game and our deep dive into talent and talent ID moves forward, and new episodes on our 2022 theme of organizational and team performance are on the way right along with all of the regular Crush content. We'll be talking and visiting with some of the world's top experts as we continue to dig down deep to help you perform at your very best and to find out what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance. So stay tuned for our return and be sure to visit us at jeffkershell.com. Crush Performance with Jeff Kershell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 